0: This is a Global Original Podcast. Hello, my name is Gordon Glenister. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm the co-founder of BCMA Influence, which is a professional membership association that represents the influencer marketing industry. And my objective is to interview some of the most interesting people in the world of influencer marketing. And in the next 30 minutes, get real insights, ideas, and tips to help you better understand the fascinating world of influence. Today, I wanna talk about risk, and particularly from an influencer's point of view. And let's be honest, no one wants to pay for insurance. But when you think of some of the areas an influencer can be exposed, particularly on a brand partnership, it's really important to look at this right now. And I want to look at the areas of advertising, publishing, regulatory and reputational risk. So who better to ask than the wonderful Claire Templeton from insurance underwriters Beasley to try and make sense of it all?
1: I'm a media and entertainment underwriter, uh, so I specialise in all things media and content related. Our appetite is extremely broad. Our clients um, extend from publishers, broadcasters, advertising agents, studios, esport organisers and anything and everything creative and it led us on to um, wanting to target a specific other area as well, such as influencers. We were seeing a lot more queries coming in from influencers and we wanted to make sure we could offer them a product that would tick the boxes for them as they started to grow and um, d- deal with the risk that they face day to day. Beasley is a, um, a, a large worldwide insurance company. Beasley and Lloyd syndicate with a 2 billion revenue, half of which is, um, especially lines such as financial, EPO, and cyber. So we're not just a media specialist. We do everything and everything. We're not consumer facing. We are product led, which makes, uh, London, us, rest of the world, very joined up. And, um, we have claims managers across the world. So we, we like to make sure that we have the right people doing the right things. And um, we're particularly big in cyber, which is probably like the jewel in the Beasley crown. But my particular media sector is, um, special sector is media.
0: What sort of claims or risks are you involved with?
1: Well, the, the ones that we see mostly from advertising relate to breach of contract traditionally. There's been some Um, high profile cases in the press for actually for many years because even before influencers became a thing you know the brands would always associate with high you know high you know profile people and celebrities to be spokespersons for their brands and so as it's progressed they've realized that they can get as much impact or you know a really good impact with direct advertising with influencers and so a good example would be a claim which arose even before influencers came about with Nicole Kidman. So it was a good few years ago now and she was, at the time, the face, the spokesperson in the face for Chanel Number no. 5. And it was reported in the press during one of her premieres that she had been seen to be dabbing on frequently the Joe Malone, uh, I think it was the white and mint jasmine scent and they alleged that it was her favourite scent and that she was just... Going around town saying it was fabulous, and now as the spokesperson of Chanel Number no. Five, that might not go down very well with your brand, and, and and the brand deal that she had at that point was worth twelve million dollars to her. It was alleged that Chanel Number no. Five were might might not be happy with this, and that it could be a breach of contract. So Nicole Kidman was obviously furious, and she sued the Daily Telegraph that had published this article. And it was found to be false and that the details are incorrect. And so the Daily Telegraph had to pay out substantial fees to her, which she donated to charity, I understand. And um, it's just easy to see how something that could be reported innocently could potentially result in a breach of contract claim and could easily cost a lot of money for an influencer, for example, to have to defend and settle. It's very tricky. It's, It's an expensive one that they could happen. The other thing is they could bring uh, a brand into disrepute as well. An influencer could say something about a brand which is untrue and not realise that they could imply something was tested on animals, for example. And so then they could be sued for a breach of contract. So it's a costly, costly matter.
0: And more to the point, Claire, what happens when a follower of the influencer reacts badly to uh, a, a product in some shape or form, i.e. it's a skincare and they've had a rash or they've had, a, and all, they've had a, a really bad reaction to something or that it hasn't worked, it's broken or what happens? And they then go on to the influencer's feed and say, you know what, this is rubbish.
1: Well, it's, it's a, that's a very unfortunate um, situation to find themselves in. and the, the first thing I show is that we have a bodily injury and property damage exclusion in the, in the policy wording. So if it's just arising from the product that they're promoting, I'm afraid the policy wouldn't respond in that respect. And, and I think quite rightly so if they're simply discussing and promoting a product that's been created and engineered by a third party brand. if If, if a consumer... Has a reaction to that, then that's something they should possibly go back to the brand to. If they're giving advice on how to do something, so something we can look to cover, and and we, we may consider doing that, is if they're giving instructions on how to do something, but the instructions they give are negligent or, or, or you know, accidentally they give the wrong information, and then as a result they're then injured as a result of the content. That could be something that could be picked up by the policy, and you know, that's something that could be a real concern for an influencer because. They're not likely going to have the funds to defend, uh, you know, claims arising from consumers hurting themselves. So uh, there are rules and regulations that they need to adhere to with regard promoting of things like healthy brands and alcohol and advertising to children. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, th- there are rules and regulations that they do need to stick to. But they do need to be cautious because some insurance won't be able to protect them. So that is something definitely to bear in mind as an influencer.
0: Mm. What other areas pop up in some of the claims particularly when it comes to publishing
1: It's funny to think that so many influencers don't realize that in fact they're considered publishers and you know, often their followers dwarf the the number of readers of, of newspapers and so their reach and scope is amazing but they don't realize but they're on for it as a publisher risk so um, there's been a number of um, you know publisher related uh, defamation or privacy type claims of uh, in relation to social media and influences probably the most high profile a while ago was the um sally Berko and lord mcalpine issue where sally Berko, who was the then wife of the speaker of the house of commons she, she was a you know well-known celebrity in her own right as well And had decided to comment on her Twitter page following a BBC Two Newsnight show about a a high profile politician who was being accused of being a paedophile. And in her infinite wisdom, she decided to tweet, why is Lord McAlpine trending, little asterisk, innocent face, question mark. I mean, it was very clear, I I think, personally, what what she was intending. And I think that's what the rest of the, the industry came to. But it was taken to court. She was sued for defamation by Lord McAlpine. And... It was a very serious breach and it was found by the Lord Justice Tugendhat that the comment that she put out was indeed a serious defamation and she had to pay costs to Lord McAlpine which I believe he donated to charity as well but not only the the legal cost but the, the settlement is sometimes the, 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 the small amount the defense costs to get to that point so that's the part that influencers need to think about if you, even if you're putting a comment out there that you don't intend to be defamatory or you don't realize is direct you know even if you're not directly accusing somebody of something you could still be found to be a publisher of comment which results in defamation and then you're going to have to pay out a lot of legal costs which is where the money really racks up and then settlement fees as well so it's something to really be cautious of when you're putting something out there on social media that you need to be confident of what you're saying and that you need to be not putting somebody in a defamatory you know painting them in a bad light there was there's another issue with publishing as well I mean, there's many, but not just defamation. There was a, uh, a US chat show host called Conan O'Brien, I think his name is. And he was sued by a uh, social media user called Robert Alex Caseberg for theft of five jokes. So Caseberg had put out some jokes across his social media on Twitter. And allegedly, within a few hours or a few days, Conan O'Brien had used those jokes or extraordinarily similar jokes On his chat shows and so it was alleged that it was either Conan had taken them or his writers of the show had taken them now this was something that was brought about five years ago and it took the case four years to settle so imagine the cost of having to defend so even just getting a lawyer's letter to go back and say no I didn't have access to this Twitter account or I did have access to this Twitter account so just taking something and using it as your own if someone else has published it first could be a very costly matter for an influencer
0: how can influencers protect themselves?
1: It's a very hard thing to do. When you see your content being used by somebody else, particularly for financial gain, it's a personal attack. You've worked hard on your designs and your content, whatever it is you've put out there. And quite rightly, it's yours. So such as the example of those five jokes that were stolen and used for their own gain. So in the event that that happens, it's sort of a decision between have you got the funds to? Go against them because you have every right to sue them for a breach of copyright, but that is a costly thing. So that's something that I'm investigating at the moment, actually, for an for an insurance um, add-on. So that's a really tiny question to ask, Gordon, because I, I am interested in it and I'm I'm trying to work out how we can offer that for our clients. I'm it's sort of you watch this space moment, actually. So. Um,
0: well, that's good. Um, and the other area that I'm particularly concerned about is cloning, where an influencer has amassed a large audience on Instagram uh, and all of a sudden there are second versions of that and that could mislead audiences in thinking what well, that actually is her when it when it isn't
1: it's a new area so it's not something that's been tested so far but i did talk to our cyber guys and it is certainly something that could be considered because if they're hacked, for example, so driving the traffic away was something that, you, that was an interesting comment there. So if they've been hacked and, and the good traffic is being directed away from their site onto a fake site, if they have the correct insurance in place, there might be something that could help with the the stopping that bad traffic and redirecting of the good traffic. If, if they've been hacked and some data has been stolen, or perhaps they've got some client lists that they had, which have been taken and then being used elsewhere. Our legal costs and forensics could be helping with that. But It's a very tricky one that there's lots of investigation that could happen and they might need to go back to each platform to get those sites shut down. So I, I, by no means i an expert on it. Um, I could certainly get some nice cyber people to come and talk to you, Gordon, if you want to have a bit more information. But um, it, it, I can understand it would be a very troubling matter because you know, monetization of, what you, of your content is the key thing for you as an influencer. And if someone's taking that good money, good traffic and monetizing it elsewhere, that's, that's a real, real bug
0: there, I can imagine. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the uh, regulatory areas of risk. Um, what's your take on that?
1: This is so easy done and I I really feel for influencers when this happens sometimes because, you know, very very busy creating a lot of content and you want your content to be great and you want it to be eye-catching but there is the issue that if they don't do the right things then they're going to get in trouble basically so what we've seen is um, things like failure to disclose endorsements you're going to get high profile cases of these as well so for example the mrs hinch one which was very well reported in the in the press that she was being investigated for promoting some cleaning products without making it very clear now that could be a costly thing for an influencer to have to deal with we do offer and can offer a um, asa investigatory um, defense sublimit. now we don't cover the final penalty because that's uninsurable it's intended to be a punishment for doing something wrong so that's that's quite right we can't cover that part if they feel confidently that they haven't breached that you know they didn't do this it was something completely unintentional and if you look here or you know we did it across this platform they want to investigate that. We've got a sublimit within our policy form, which would allow the influencer to carry on going about their daily day business and use this um, sublimit to help investigate why they think they didn't breach and help with that information to be reported back to the ASA, for example. If at the end of it, it was found, they decided, no, you did breach, then, then so be it. That's fine. They've, they've tried to fight their corner and they will have to pay that final penalty, but they haven't had to pay the costs getting to that point of defending it. Hopefully it will be a wonderful case of we provide you some money to, you know, some assistance to be able to defend yourself and you and you right your wrong. So that's great. There are other areas that need to be cautious of things like advertising to children. Very restricted. They're a vulnerable group. They say look at that very carefully. There are very strict rules in place. So they do need to be careful about that. And other things like advertising of alcohol, another another key area, because. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking out for things like being cautious of, uh, of endorsing binge drinking or underage drinking. So things like that, you know, if you're putting out content about alcohol or, or advertising to children, you need to be particularly careful about those matters.
0: So let's just assume then the influencer has done a deal with um, an alcoholic drink or a gaming brand or whatever and hasn't disclosed. They've done it with the brand. They should have disclosed, but they haven't. Who's going to bring the claim?
1: The public. The public will make a complaint. The, the ASA do investigate as well. So if, if they if it has been made aware, you know, if they've been made aware in one way or another, they will investigate. They have the power to do so. But broadly, the public will see something. They will be unhappy about it. They will report them to the ASA. The ASA then will investigate.
0: They will investigate, but that doesn't mean to say that they will actually take legal action
1: the ASA would be responsible for bringing a final penalty so they wouldn't be bringing a legal action per se they would be bringing a final penalty it would be hard to see how if they were advertising to children and someone just didn't like it for some reason they would, wouldn't really be able to sue them unless they could find a, something that they'd done they would breached contract or they'd intentionally defamed somebody or they'd lied with something so a member of the public or a group would have to find something the influencer had you know concrete had done that they could then sue them for the main issue here would be a you know a regulatory issue
0: from some, some reputational point of view, what's it, what are the sorts of things that has that you've noticed where an influencer's reputation can be damaged? To be honest,
1: influencers are broadly very, very clever, sensible people. They want to protect their brand. They are, you know, they're a business at the end of the day. They're very good. But occasionally something does slip through the net and, and that does happen. They are human beings and that's quite right. The first thing I should say, though, is that cover for influencers' own losses of income if they were dropped by a brand for example for something they've said or done is not available we're not looking to help them you know if they want to get out of a deal or they say something and then they say I've oh, because i said this i've lost this that that's not something we're looking to cover what we want to try to do is to try to help them become whole again so if they've said something we want them to try and get over that and keep going and just keep going with this wonderful brand they've created mm-hmm. there's been lots of high profile ones we've seen things like um Uh, PewDiePie was was probably one of the most well-known you know fall from grace you know having a very well-established gaming and everything else um, influencer reputation and then suddenly commenting on things that he shouldn't have been commenting on unfortunately his reputation was damaged quite irreparably from that Um, there's things like the fire festival as well there was so many influencers and celebrities and social media content creators who were involved unfortunately with the fire festival and they commented and They all had to do quite extensive work following the Fire Festival um, debacle because they had to, you know, uh, for example, I think one of the Jenna sisters had to say that the fees that they'd been given, uh, they donated to charity and, you know, they were unaware. So their PR team worked very hard after that came out to really build their relation, you know, their reputation and relationship with their consumers to say, we were innocent in this. We didn't really realise what was happening. Hands up and we're sorry. So. That's the thing that an influencer needs to be cautious of. If they say something or do something, it's how they act directly after that and how they build from that. We offer a crisis management cover within our form for influencers because... That's good. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a bit of the, oh God, what have I done moment what and who do I call? So we, we've partnered with a global crisis assistant company worldwide who are on the end of the phone. So if they say or oh, do something and they realize that someone said, you shouldn't have said that or... I'm unhappy with the way that you've said this about me they can phone this telephone number talk to PR specialists emergency you know emergency global crisis people who go right I can review your account I can take over it. I can help you I can give you guidance about what to do next and just give them that sort of arm around the shoulder moment where they say look it's okay you've messed up but let's help you get through this so there's lots of things that influencers can do I mean Gary Barlow for example and others were involved in the Um, the tax issue and he's here he's doing a fantastic job his PR team went to town and just did a great job after that event and it's the same thing for influencers you do something wrong you you know if if it was a real innocent error they apologize and you put the next steps in and then let's just keep going let's keep going as a business and a brand and see how we can keep it
0: keep it going Uh and, and I think some of the bigger influencers that have got talent agencies that have in-house PR, I think you know they are somewhat protected, and that's why they that's why they're engaged with that. I think my concern is is the sort of micro influencers that 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 may be doing things really innocently, but of course the law that's no defence.
1: It's not. It's helpful to show that if you're you know it, it's not a defence, but it, you know if someone's genuinely. That is, the, I always think that's the point of insurance. If someone has genuinely made an error. And we want to try to help them. If it's, you know, if we can get it triggering the policy, let's let's help them. And and I think, like you say, for nano and micro-influencers, you don't have a big talent management team or a big PR team sitting behind them. Just a friendly, you know, handhold in these situations is what's needed, I think, sometimes.
0: And what sort of, um, I mean, some people are thinking, well, what does it cost me to, to have an insurance policy now? And what, what are the sorts of bolt-ons? Um, are you able to give us a bit of a steer on that?
1: Yeah, yeah so we write, influencers worldwide we write nano micro you know huge influencers we write celebrities as well so music artists for their social media and their promotion so we do anything from very small to very very large something that i'm particularly excited about and and we've launched last year was a uh, a collaboration with a company called assured social which is a online platform for influencers to go on and purchase insurance very easily quickly now answer three four questions i think it is and they just click and buy, and then the policy is—you put your credit card details in, and your policy documents are sent straight to your phone. It starts off at something like one hundred and twenty pounds. In fact, Gordon, so it's a very affordable. It's the right price for the right target group. The limits start, I think, at one hundred thousand pounds. You can get one hundred thousand pounds, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, or five hundred thousand pound limits. So it depends on what your brands are, what you're being asked to purchase. But we wanted to make sure we get we were able to get into these micro and nano influencers and others, you know, big and small, and give them a policy that they can afford and not just think it is out of reach. They need to have insurance and they should be able to afford it and know that it's with a company that understands them and wants to help. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally.
0: That's it for another edition of Influence. Please don't forget to subscribe and let us have your feedback to our email, feedback at influencepodcast.net. Or you can go on to the BCMA website at www.thebcma.info. You can also send me a message on my Instagram too, which is Gordon Glenister. And if you feel like it, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome because it really does help us. Thanks also to my producer, Neil Whiteside of Freedom One. So until next time, from me, Gordon Granister, bye for now.